0: questions haunt every life, writes Andy Crouch. The first, what are we meant to be? And the second, why are we so far from what we're meant to be? Hello and welcome to Restoring the Soul, a podcast dedicated to helping you close the gap from what you're meant to be and what keeps you from being all that. I'm your producer, Brian Beatty, and we are a smack dab in the middle of a five-part series of discussions between Michael and Restoring the Soul's resident expert on the Enneagram. Kelly Gray. The goal of these podcasts is to show how understanding the Enneagram can strengthen your marriage or intimate relationship. This episode, listen closely as Michael and Kelly describe how, in the middle of conflict with your spouse, that you can learn how to not take things so personally, and that by becoming a student of your partner, a level of empathy and compassion will be achieved that you've been unable to experience before. Thanks again for taking part in these series of podcasts, whose goal is to open up brand new pathways for intimacy and connectedness. And now here's your host, Michael John Cusick.
1: Thank you, Brian, and welcome to another episode of Restoring the Soul. I am Michael in the studio with Kelly Gray.
2: Hey, thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, it's, uh, you know, now that you're part of Restoring the Soul, it's not like, thank you so much for having you, but it's, you're here, so well, that's I'm true. thrilled about okay, that. wonderful. It is uh, episode number three of a five-part series on the Enneagram and marriage, and just by way of review, the first episode was about becoming an expert in your partner or spouse. The second one, and help me out with this, was understanding how your partner or spouse does conflict. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yes. And then on this episode, we're going to talk about how understanding the enneagram can help you to not take things personally.
2: Absolutely.
1: So let's jump right into that because that's sure sort of something I can relate to, where it's so easy to interpret someone's words, actions, etc. But especially in marriage, that it's all about me.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So how the Enneagram has been so helpful in my marriage and in so many of my clients' marriages and friends' marriages is the way that you can learn what battle it is that your spouse is over there fighting and you learn how to not make that battle all about yourself. And um, so studying that my precious, precious husband is a one and that when he is... Um, that when he's struggling, the way that he will manage chaos inside of himself is through trying to make his environment more peaceful and um, predictable. And so when I was making that about me, I was going to some pretty negative thoughts about, okay, I am really failing at this. I'm terrible. I'm not good enough for him. And then that's going to trip off a bunch of, bad behaviors from me like being passive aggressive or aggressive aggressive um and would just really feed barriers between the two of us but when i can leave my vantage point and see from what he is experiencing it makes it a lot easier to be able to just check in and say hey what is really going on with you um What's wrong rather than just fighting?
1: Let me come back to a phrase you used, and that is it helps with understanding what's the battle that they are fighting. And I think that statement in and of itself has the potential to be revolutionary because for most relationships and marriages, uh, there's a battle between, Mm -hmm. and people come to marriage Mm -hmm. counseling because they're fighting or because they're not fighting, and Mm -hmm. there's this distance and help us to resolve the battle and you're Mm -hmm. suggesting that when we understand the battle in the other person Mm -hmm. and we can attune to that that begins to shift things so talk about what more of that means to focus on the battle within them
2: yeah well i mean it requires the couple each individual in that couple it really requires them to do the work of of being like a student of their partner and being willing to step aside step away from their own experience for a moment um which i think some people can go through most of life not really wanting to leave their their own perspective and their own vantage point and we're just trying to get other people to understand the battle that's going on inside of us so in marriage um It's so beautiful to have uh, this opportunity, to take the opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to put mine down, and I'm going to really just try to take on what's it like to be you, and what are you feeling today, and how are you responding to what you're feeling today and what you're going through today? Um, Because it's really easy for me to say, well, if I was going through that, then I would just cry, or I would just call a friend, or I would do, I'd make a beautiful piece of art. I'm just kidding. I don't think I'd do that. Um, but it's easy to judge how somebody else is managing their pain when we're kind of trapped in these Enneagram numbers. And like I said before, yes, we study them so that we can transcend them. But at a base level, when we're struggling, we're going to be struggling in our Enneagram number. We're going to be struggling as the, the lower level functioning of, of that number. And so I can judge him all day long. Or I can say, what's it like to be stuck under what he is stuck under? And then that gives me compassionate feelings. That gives me a softness. It gives me an openness and a creativity. Whereas if I'm just sitting with, well, how would I be responding if I were him? Mm, he's doing it badly. I would do it really well. Then there's a wall between us. There's a block. There's not going to be mutual like, soothing or caring where, um, where there's that judgment and that hardness.
1: So how do you start that conversation of beginning to see the other's vantage point, just on a concrete level with words?
2: Yes. um, And then I'd love for you to add to this as well, but I would just start with, okay, what's it, I want to understand, I want to understand more what it's like to be you. I want to understand more what it's like to be in your shoes. So tell me what your main, what this main struggle is today. And unless the person is flooded, which did I cover flooded on a past podcast? I don't think you did. About that. Well, there's a lot to say about flooded. I'll come back to that later. But so the person has to be calm enough to be able to have a conversation. <laughs> right. So note that. Um, and uh, so if they're fairly calm and, and I approach them with, I want to know more about what it's like to be you. I want to understand what's going on. And I'd say just kind of interview them a little bit journalistically almost to where you're detached from what they say, meaning I'm not needing him to give me right answers or else I'll have a big reaction. Um, I just want to hear what the problem is and then what he's thinking about the problem, what he's feeling towards the problem, what he sees the only solutions are, what he's doing to manage his anxiety or stress around that problem And I just take it in from a listening stance, not trying to talk over him and be teachy or preachy or judgmental. Did you get concrete out of that?
1: Yeah, I did. And there's a part of me that as I'm listening, I say, this sounds like a pretty advanced level kind of response. And then there's another part of me that says uh, that this is a skill that can be learned. And one of the reasons why it might feel like an advanced level response is that so often when I'm working with couples, to get the ability to see the other person's vantage point, I have to take responsibility for my own dysregulation uh, or for my own anxiety or tone of voice, anger, etc., which is oftentimes a physiological reality. So if a mm-hmm. person can operate from that perspective, mm-hmm. but t- talk about this difference between what I'm feeling like it's advanced and yet it's a skill that's doable.
2: Yeah, I feel like I run into that all the time in therapy where I'll have the sense inside of me of, okay, this is getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but this is where we need to go. And so I do like talking about um, kind of the higher elements of what people are capable of doing because I do think that that's what they're longing for and they're feeling a frustration around it shouldn't be this way and it doesn't have to be this hard. And so I will paint a picture for what it can look like um, because we just have to start someplace, and then they jump in and try it, and we start the troubleshooting at that point.
1: So some people might not be familiar, like I am personally, with taking things personally. Mm. Um, but for people that live in that, can you give some examples of what it means to take personally what the other person is saying?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I I really, really deeply love my husband, and I have his total permission to share about our life together. um, I have the waiver right here that he signed. Oh, good, good, good. He's such a good dude. Um, Well, when I was taking it personally, it was um, if he'd come in and feel like, and he wouldn't say, you know, oh, this house is such a mess, but he'd go over and start doing dishes right away and would be frustrated. And then I would take that personally by saying to myself, Oh, I have failed. I'm not doing good enough. If I had done those dishes, he'd be in a better mood or something like that. Um, When I can do all the dishes in the world, but it's not going to change that he is struggling inside of himself. And so um, the higher level way of interacting as a couple is taking a step back out of that heat of the moment, out of those knee jerk reactions that I was talking a little bit about last episode and saying, okay, what actually is really going on here? I want to take a minute and put myself in their shoes. So, but was that a good example of taking things personally? Like he's doing dishes and I'm making it about me.
1: Yep. I think so. And this is probably now very familiar, but the dishwasher example (laughs) of how we were in a conference in Florida hearing uh, somebody talk about ones and Mm -hmm. Julianne is a one and Mm -hmm. I'm a two. And they said, you know you're married to a one if when you load the dishwasher, they come along and reload it. Mm-hmm. And that was truly a transforming moment for us as a couple and for me because I said, I'm not an idiot, I mm-hmm. you know, don't need to read the manual mm-hmm. on how to optimally load a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. So that's an example where every time she would you know, take the little orange juice glasses and fit in 10 more pieces of flatware mm-hmm. and silverware, mm-hmm that I would say there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And I've since been able to chuckle at that and almost be thankful, like, wow, we get more dishes in the dishwasher, and we're Mm -hmm. saving the planet and Mm -hmm. stopping global warming because of that.
2: That's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a joke with ones in the dishwasher and dishes. Um, And I just was in a wonderful training, um, an Enneagram training through Enneagram Institute in Atlanta, Um, um, well, by... person trained by Newgram institute the institutes in new york but um the training in atlanta was on the levels of health of each number and she'd said just since we're talking about ones um and we love ones we love ones so much we married ones michael and i both married ones um and so many of my clients at restoring the soul have been ones it's been a really strange like statistical um phenomenon but that a one can have kind of a barometer of how well they are doing in their souls like how grounded they are or how healthy they are um a barometer for them is how many details are making them insane about their environment around them Um, because when they're doing better they do honestly notice less and they're bothered by less and so it's just a little tell for them and all the numbers have them
1: therefore brian comes in the house and starts washing the dishes
2: yes exactly exactly it's just a way of managing that interior stress. And so um, to try to really connect it, I don't have to take it personally. If I have understood, if I've taken the time to read about him and ask him questions about what it's like to be in his shoes, then I have this much more robust understanding of where that action is coming from. And then I'm not huffy and dropping comments about you need everything to be perfect. You're not noticing all the great things that I did do today, which just really embroils us in some petty BS
1: where where you're you're fighting or having a conversation about things that are not really the issue exactly at all
2: exactly whereas if couples are going to be experts in one another and I've been able to learn what's going on in that situation and so I can be a little bit more outside of it and not take the low road though it's so tempting the low road's so so tempting if I don't take the low road on that day and I can Just be more like a loving presence and maybe put my hand on his back or say, hi, it's good to see you. Welcome home. And it's coming from a more grounded place inside of me. Then his energy is going to do what? I mean, he's going to get better. It's going to calm him down and he's going to turn and we might have a good moment where we have eye contact or we have a hug and we talk about the day and it kind of draws him out of that stress but if i take that low the, the low road the low hanging fruit and i take it personally we just are going to have this repetitive fight that then makes the evening tense and less fun and more disconnected
1: so all of this conversation helps me to see that beneath the surface of any external behavior related to the numbers that there's really uh, a need beneath the surface and that's a legitimate need mm-hmm. that's part of how a person is wired and what their number is
2: yeah absolutely and so these podcasts are more meta like it's around why would you want to keep study why would you study the enneagram how does the enneagram how do you employ the enneagram in service of being an expert of your of your um partner or your spouse um because i could definitely go through all nine numbers and i might do that you know on a different on a different day but um Yes, all nine numbers each have a, there's a motivator um, inside of them, something that they feel driven to accomplish or, you know, provide in this world, achieve in this world. And um, when you study that about your beloved, they are just less mysterious and more understandable. And therefore, it, compassion is so much more accessible for them. And the more compassionate you are, the less petty, crappy fights you're going to have with each other. And so sometimes in therapy, I tell people like, I feel like we have these primary pains, which would be things like just terrible losses, the bad things that happen, you know, or things that already happened and we can't do anything about it. So we're just trying to figure out what do we do with the aftermath here. Um, but then there's the secondary pain and it's what we do with the pain. And so it's the thoughts that we think about the, the pain and what we are making it mean that we are going through this you know first primary pain Um, and that's enough work in itself to just deal with um, the devastation or grief or loss that's just going to be you know natural and it's going to happen in your life Um, I can't do much about that but what I end up helping people a lot with is what they're making that pain mean what the, the lies they're telling themselves the stories that they're telling themselves about why they why they have that problem. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And um, it seems like further back, and I know your training as a counselor finished up in, what, 2002? Mm -hmm. And I finished my uh, graduate training in 92. And it seems like right around that time, people started to less and less use phrases like primary and secondary pain. But I find Mm. it a very helpful category because the primary pain is unavoidable. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what happens to us, and it feels like everything boils down to what we do with what happens to us. And in Surfing for God, I call that mishandling our pain. Mm. And sometimes it's conscious, and sometimes it's not, where it's reflex, where it's trauma and neurological system. But a great question for people that are listening to reflect on is, In this conversation about the Enneagram in marriage, and specifically how it can help you to not take things personally, what do you do with your pain, the pain that you experience uh, just by virtue of being in an intimate relationship with someone, the normal ups, downs, disappointments, frustrations, but are you able to, um, to, from a beginning perspective, to see it, to acknowledge it, to know that it's there? to hold it or to have to vent it or pour it out on the other person. But what do you do with your pain? Mm -hmm. If if this were a church service, I would say let's have a moment of silence Mm -hmm. and take a minute and think about that. Mm -hmm. But um, that is a big category Mm -hmm. because as we talk about the need beneath each of the numbers, it makes me think about the uh, increasingly popular emotionally focused Therapy for couples. Mm -hmm. And that's all about creating a safe space Mm -hmm. for people to express the need that is there. Mm -hmm. So, this is really good stuff. And even though this is about the Enneagram, the Enneagram just provides a lens or a window to see yourself and other in so many helpful ways. So, Kelly, you were talking about lower levels. You've referred to that a number of times. Can you clarify what that is? And then, are there higher levels?
2: yeah it's some um really interesting work that russ hudson um from enneagram institute has added to um, the field of enneagram study um which it talks about how each of the nine types um how we all look when we are average and normal and just kind of functioning in the world then um when we are um really struggling and um, not doing well, just kind of what those, those are the lower level behaviors in unhealth um, that come out. And then what each number looks like when they are very healthy and transcending and really kind of living out of the beautiful image of God um, deep within them when it's not as bound up in, ego and striving and in all of those um, negative, all the lies and the the stories that we tell ourselves.
1: So what some people may know the lower level or higher level to be is, as you're saying, the, the healthy part or the unhealthy part of the number. Yeah. And I had the thought in terms of me as a two and the unhealthy part, and maybe others can identify with this, but how, if we're talking about how it helps us to not personalize, How often I personalize, and that seems to give me a kind of power. Mm. Because if I personalize that this other person, uh, well, not the other person, if I personalize that Julianne is persecuting me or taking something out on me or reloading the dishwasher because she thinks I'm a terrible person and don't know how to do it, then I'm a victim and I can have a pity party for myself. And then she becomes the bad guy, and now I have the upper hand.
2: Yeah, well said. It's very self-serving. Um, and so, yeah, lower-level behavior begets lower-level behavior in the other. Ooh, say,
1: say that again, and what do you mean by that?
2: Well, lower-level behavior in one person begets lower-level behavior in the other person, meaning your wounded ego wants to wound her, and then her wounded ego wants to wound you back,
1: and around and around it goes. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's the gist of what I'm getting at with how the enneagram really helps us, because it, it in black and white when you, when you study it, you learn. Oh my gosh, that just read my mail. Like I really thought that I had a right to behave so indignantly and take your behavior personally, but when you discover that that's your spouse being unhealthy and you responding in a really unhealthy. Way um, It can help you take steps back and have more grace for the other person who is behaving in a less healthy way. And those are such judgmental terms. Please don't tell your spouse you're acting in an unhealthy way. That <laughs> I, You know, it doesn't beget goodness. But when you have studied this and you understand what's going on, you can take some deep breaths and take a step back and have a more... Um, Um, a broadened view or a more open heart of understanding and that really helps raise that conversation if it even was a conversation up to a much more productive place and gets people back on the track of getting connected and being loving towards one another Um, and so that's why i'm so big on studying this
1: so lower level behaviors from a person's number beget lower-level behaviors in the other person, Mm -hmm. and higher-level behaviors beget higher-level behaviors. So health creates health, Mm -hmm. and unhealth creates unhealth. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important to do your work, Mm -hmm. uh, because as pain that is not transformed becomes transmitted, Mm -hmm. when we heal our pain, uh, then we pass on the healing and Mm -hmm. the health, and Mm -hmm. that brings healing to the whole world
2: yes i say it's the i don't mean for this to be a political statement at all but i say it's the trickle-down economics that actually works (laughs) is when parents do emotional work it immediately transmits to their children their their children behave in, in much better ways than if the parent is just perpetuating their own emotional stuck places they see it come directly back out of their their children back to them and um
1: I see a book coming, Trickle Down Emotionomics.
2: Oh, wow. Okay, great.
1: Thank you. We need to wrap up a great conversation around how not to take things personally Yes. through the knowledge of the Enneagram. Stay tuned for another episode as we continue episode number four coming up on the Enneagram and marriage. Join us next time on Restoring the Soul.
2: Thanks so much.
0: So thank you for listening to another episode of Restoring the Soul. We want you to know that Restoring the Soul is so much more than a podcast. What we're all about is helping couples and individuals get unstuck. You know how some people go to counseling or marriage therapy for months or even years and never really get anywhere? Our intensive programs help clients get unstuck in as little as two weeks. To learn more, visit RestoringTheSoul.com That's RestoringTheSoul.com